The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive, some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hi, welcome to the show. This is Ross Rameen, and this is The Power to Create Yourself. We're coming to you from Los Angeles, California, at the Rebos Treatment Center, and um, and we're so glad that you joined us today. We have another um, episode of Client Files today, and we have an amazing guest on our day. Her name is uh, Chandra, and she is from... um, eh, would you call it Northern California or Mid-California? Central Coast. Central Coast. Yes. Um, I'll leave out the name of the city for now um, for your amenity. Um, this is, uh, she's 28 years old, and she was uh, smoking heroin on a daily basis uh, for how many years? Um, two and a half, three. Really? Three years. Yeah, I started snorting at first. Really? And then, yeah, um, so, and then I was told by a friend that I was wasting it. Really? So that's, yeah, that's how Before we go on, though, I, I got to say publicly, congratulations. You have you have a little over six months of yes. sobriety, which is, to me, heroin is, besides nicotine, I think heroin is, um, a lot of people don't consider nicotine a drug, but it really is. Um, but heroin is the gnarliest of all drugs. They have fought wars over it for centuries. Um, it is wild. And um, and you are just a just a lovely lady. Thank I've, you. You know, I've talked to you a little bit here and there, but people just say the most amazing things about you. And when you look at somebody that looks the way you look, you're like, and you're like, yeah, I smoked heroin a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. people are like, well, when I tell people, I mean, I'm not the prettiest guy in the block, and I get that. But when I tell people I used to smoke crack, they're like, really? Yeah. And they see me in like a Brooks Brothers shirt, and you know, my <laughs> shirt's tucked in, and I've got some cheesy Patagonia vest on, you know. But they're like, you smoke crack, fifteen hundred dollars a day, and I'm like, yeah, I did. They're like, I can't believe you have all your teeth. Yeah. Um. So I always get a kick out of it when I see somebody like you. I'm like, yeah, of course you did. You smoked heroin. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> and I say that funny respectfully because it's, yeah. I mean, it's the gnarliest drug on the planet. I it mean, is. I hear about three heroin opiate, you know, opiate overdoses. Her- heroin is an opiate. But I hear about three of them a week. Um, that's what I average. Um, three weeks yeah. ago, I hit three in one day. I'll never forget that Wednesday. Um horrible no it's really wild and you went from so wait let's 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 go back a little bit because you're 28 years old so yes. that means you started doing this when you're 26 25 yeah the hair and then it was pills before then for like seven eight years okay so let's go back into there okay let's go into the pills i want to know about pills because pills are society's biggest epidemic right now yes what you know, you you live in the central coast of California, which is it's a lovely it's a lovely area. It's quiet. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what brings you know a lovely gal like yourself to start doing pills? Did you hurt yourself? Did you like? I mean, I know a lot of people they blow out their knee or their back and they get they start taking pills because the doctor ordered it and then they get hooked on it by accident. Was this? Did you self inflict? Um, a pill addiction on yourself or tell me about it walk me through it no I actually I was scared of all drugs for a really long time Um, and I'd actually gotten in trouble with the law um, and I was over at a friend's house one day like I think it was a few days before I had to go in for my first probation uh, meeting 
with the probation officer and one of my girlfriends was like hey do you want to do you want to bike it in and I was like well what's it gonna do to me you know like I'm super scared like I've never done this before blah 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 and she's like just take it so I was like okay like it must be fine you know everyone else has one like and how old were you when this happened uh I was 20 about to be 21 okay um yeah ish yeah so like 19 20 yeah okay, okay. we'll call um, it 20 for okay. conversation um, and so I took the Vicodin and then she asked me if I wanted a Soma and I was like, well, what's that going to do? And she's like, oh no, it'll just make, you know, the Vicodin work better. It, you know, blah, 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 blah. She called it a cocktail and she said it would be fine that I wouldn't die. That was my main concern was, am I going to die? And she said, no. So I took that one too. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, let me get this straight. Okay. So, cause you just said so much right there and it's yeah. just so awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome in a really jacked up way. So you're 19, 20 years old. Your friend is, you're hanging out with your friend and she has a Vicodin. Mm -hmm. And she says, you want to do this Vicodin with me? Yes. Had you ever drank it or smoked smoked weed or anything like that before this? Um, I had a little bit and I had drank a little bit, but like nothing like too excessive or like crazy. Were you a wild girl in high school? No, no. I was Dean's List every semester. I captained my sports teams. I did drama, what sports you play? Water polo, golf, swim team. You're an athlete. Yeah. And you're a Dean's Lister. Yeah. So you're smarty pants. Yeah, yeah I got it. <laughs> well, compared to what I was, I always like to say that I was in the top three quarters of my class as opposed to my high school class as to saying I was in the bottom quarter because yeah. the top three quarters sounds a lot fancier than the <laughs> bottom quarter. Um, so you're on the Dean's list. You're in multi, you're a multiple sport ath athlete. Mm -hmm. um, so you're definitely no slouch and no pushover by any means. You're going to college. Yes. Where? Cal Poly. Nice. For what? For architectural engineering. Wow. <laughs> okay, so you are a smarty's pants. Um, I get it. Um, and so you're 19 or 20 and you're up at Cal Poly when this person said yes. this? Yes. So you're at Cal Poly and another probably just lovely young lady comes up to you and says, Yeah. Want to try Vicodin? And then she's like, why don't you do a Soma with the Vicodin because it'll be a great cocktail. Mm -hmm. So two slows together coming, you know, two slow yeah. things coming together to be a um, a nice cocktail, so to say. Yes. And you took your you took her word that you wouldn't die. Yes, I trusted her. And yeah. I had seen her take it like five minutes previous. So I was like, okay, well, if she's not dead yet, then it must be fine. Totally. So, yeah, that makes it, no sense, but... No, so we're going to wait for five minutes. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Let's just keep an eye on her for five <laughs> minutes. That's all we're going to need to do to make yeah. sure that she doesn't die, and then we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to be a smart aleck as I talked to you because... I literally watched a guy take mushrooms in high school. I was like, I've never done these before. And the other guy said, I haven't either. But you know what? I'll try them first. And you see if you like what happened. So I literally, he was like on a stool. And we're like, just watching him. Like, <laughs> let's see what he does. Let's see if he starts taking drugs. Let's see what happens as he takes yeah. these mushrooms. I'll never forget it. He was like, all right, it seems okay. And then we took him. And then he threw, started throwing up everywhere yeah and i was like right. oh god because <laughs> i just taken them it's like this is what i got coming yeah anyway i'm sorry to say, to jump into your thing but no, it's okay i get it um so then you started taking those pills so walk me more through that uh, the pill world so then i ended up actually going on like a two week bender like a week and a half bender whatever up until the day that i had to go to probation so I can't remember exactly how long it was, but anyways, probation for what? For I was gotten in trouble um, a few months prior to that. I, Do you want to go into what that was? Sure. Yeah. What I was, was it? I was drunk when it happened, mm -hmm. of course. So um, I actually was at um, a wine event. It was like a wine tasting sort of like food pairing thing. I wasn't 21 yet, mm -hmm. um, and I had snuck in there with one of my friends. Uh, her boss was had something to do with the production of it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. We snuck in, got wasted, and then ended up going back to her house. And she lived like, directly across the street from my boyfriend at the time. And I, I don't know. I just was wasted in her house and I'm you know peeking out the blinds like a creep like looking to see if he's home like who's there like all this weirdo stuff and then I decided it'd be a great idea to go over there so I walked across the street into his house nobody was there and I, I remember going into his room and I just sat on his bed for like five ten minutes just sat there just staring at the wall 
And I don't know what came over me, but I started freaking out and just destroying all of his stuff. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I just, I had, I slashed his posters with a knife. I don't know how I found the knife. I don't know where I got that, but I was slashing in the posters Wait, with who is knife. this guy? My ex, my boyfriend. Yeah, okay. Obviously now ex. Yeah. And I just freaked out. I blacked out. I don't remember doing like any of it. The only reason I know is I did this is because of the pictures when I was in court. So yeah, I completely blacked out, messed up all of his stuff. He ended up coming home during that. And I, during while you were doing this. Yes. And I, he started screaming at me, sort of spitting at me. So I socked him in the face like twice. And so he runs outside screaming for the cops and we're in a pretty, um, high cop traffic area so within like two seconds there's somebody you know walking up to the door so i'm like running outside like i'm gonna get away and i run directly into the officer the first thing i said was i didn't do it and of course i did do it and i had spray paint on my hand so i literally got caught red-handed so i went to jail i had an assault and battery charges i ended up the assault i think it ended up being dropped and it was just battery charge I did a 52-week uh, batter intervention program. So a year long. Yeah. Ended up being about a year and a half because... And you're 20. Yes. By then I had... Yes. Okay. So, and so, um, yeah, it was just a lot happening. I'd never been in trouble before. Never even got a ticket. Nothing. So it was like zero to 100, like instantly. And they wanted me to go to AA. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm not an alcoholic. Like, I'm not. Like, my lawyer was like, just go. Just do it. You know, it's not a big deal. Whatever. And they wanted me to do 90 and 90. And I was like, absolutely not. And for some reason, the judge totally missed that part. So I didn't have to go to AA. I kind of wish now that I would have. But. Would it even mattered? Probably not. I mean, I would have just been sitting there thinking, like, I'm not like these people at all. Like, you know. You might have gotten a couple tidbits in there, but. Maybe. But if your ears aren't open to it. Yeah. You definitely have to be ready. That's one thing I've learned. So. So, yeah, I um, I had this whole few week period where I, you know, I knew I was going to be monitored once the two weeks was up. And I knew that I had to be sort of a good probationer. So I went on this bender. I did pills. I think we did ecstasy, um, cocaine, we're drinking, going out downtown every night, just going insane. And um, I have I had a bunch of friends in town that were like um, ex cons and stuff. So I'm like, you guys, I ha- I know I'm gonna have to take a drug test. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, I, I don't want to go to jail. Blah blah blah. So they had this great idea that I should drink some bleach before I went in there. Holy smokes. Yeah. So it's not like, I mean, I guess it is pretty crazy now that I'm saying it out loud. But so they told me to take a glass of milk and pour two or three capfuls of bleach in the milk, drink that, and then drink a bunch of water. So that's what I did. I did it the day before. And then I did it the day of. I didn't do drink or do any sort of drugs or anything. And I, it worked. I mean, I had weed in my system. I had everything. And by the time I got to the probation office, I, well, I was burping up chlorine for like two days, but, um, I, my test was clean. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Would, I mean, I've put a lot of bad stuff into my gut and I guess if it's two capsules, it's not, it's not a huge amount. No. Um, I mean, you know that's eight years i mean the <laughs> thankfully drug tests have come a lot far away so we yeah. would be able to tell that if there was something such as that in there um yeah so for all those that are listening it's like wow this is a great way to get out of a drug test actually it's not horrible idea. <laughs> it, well it's a bad idea for you physically but you still won't pass your test because yeah. if the tests are sent to a lab um they show that the um it's your urine your 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 ph balance and your your body is not in balance yeah. it's like it'll show like a dysfunctional um so, okay, so then you had a good idea to drink bleach, okay, to pass drug tests. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, keep talking. So, after that, that was, I, I, I was, like, good for a little while. I didn't drink, I didn't go out, I didn't do any drugs. And then, a couple months into it, I was like, you know what? They haven't called me, I've been going to my classes, I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. Like, I can go have fun. And then... 
I started on another little bender. I just was doing pills all the time because by this time I was like, wow, I love Vicodin. This is amazing. So I started doing a bunch of it and to the point where it was like people were running out because I was I was taking so many. You know, you build a tolerance really quick. So that's where I was at. And then I'm like, you know, instead of taking 10 to 15 Vicodin, like, is there something stronger I could take? So then I progressed into taking Norcos. And then after like a year or two of that, I was like, I, I like I'm taking tons of these too. Like, is there something else? So then it moved on from there to Roxy's. And I did that for three years, I think, three or four years. Um, and off and on, and it wasn't every day. It was, you know, for some reason I never developed a physical dependency on pills. I could stop them when I wanted. I could take some here and there. And I didn't, I didn't really feel the need to use them until I had like, I was, you know, cravings, obviously I'd be like, oh wow, I really want to do pills today. So I'd find some and then I would do them all and I would stop for a while. And then I, you know, it was like on and off, very on and off. Um, and then one day I had a bunch of Roxy's and I decided that we're going to take all of them today. I don't know why I thought that. It wasn't like they weren't working. Wait, how many Roxy's? 17. 17 Roxy's at once? Yes. How many milligrams is each Roxy? 30. And they have very little to no fillers in them. So it's pretty much pure Roxy's. Hold on. We've got one minute before we got to do a quick commercial, but I just want to figure it out. So you did 30 pills. Wait, you did how many pills? 17. 17 pills. 30 milligrams each. Okay, so you're doing over 500 milligrams. Wait, is that right? So, so 13. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah, that's a lot. All right, listen, we got to take a quick break here. Um, this is a good conversation because I want people to understand what goes on this. You know, I laugh with you when we do this stuff and I'm in the same boat that you are. I just was never into pills. Um, it's more mushrooms and coke and weird <laughs> stuff. But anyways, Hey, this is Ross for me. We'll be right back. Um, please stay tuned. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Tune in to Happy and Healthy Living with Darlene Godwin to better understand the why on how you feel and find the right therapies, treatments, and programs to bring healing to the mind, body, and spirit. You can live a better life at any age. It's not just a temporary fix. Rather, it's a permanent, healthy lifestyle. Happy and Healthy Living with Darlene Godwin is broadcast live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hi, welcome back to the show. This is Ross Ramin. Uh, we are giving you another episode of The Client Files. We're coming to you from the Rebos Treatment Center in Los Angeles, California. Thanks so much for joining us today. We are with Chandra today, and she is a 28-year-old um, young lady uh, with just a little over six months of sobriety. And 
we started this off with she had gone she's only been to one treatment she went through an inpatient and then is an outpatient now and um she's doing extremely well um you really i from what i hear from your staff from from your staff from your kind of like your staff but your your (laughs) clinicians that you work with you have a you're getting great reports of what's going on and they just said you had a great your head so well screwed on and as i talk to you now they're 100 percent correct and it still blows my socks off with yet how much i actually do relate to your story and as i just as i repeat this just for listeners to understand at the age of 20 you started taking pills again which was just after you had a assault battery charge you were court ordered to be sober um you had multiple you had to do 52 weeks of classes on battery to get smarter on what to do and what not to do when it comes to battery (laughs) okay and you have drink and bleach to pass drug tests yes um you have gone on two week benders of coke uh, booze ecstasy pills you name it kind of thing um so you got this in your 20 yes okay so you got that going for you um that's unbelievable and at the and and let's go even a little bit before that because i think it's really important to show who you you who you were before this Mm -hmm. you were an extremely motivated and at least from the way that i and if i'm putting words into it please please correct me because i don't want to i don't want to fluff this up but you are a dean's list student mm-hmm. you're a multi-sport high school athlete yes and you're going to cal poly yes for engineering yes it's no so i mean you can't be a dum-dum <laughs> to pull that off on a daily basis yeah and and yet there's something that comes across you that's like I think I'm going to listen to this person and go take some pills. I'm going to go do this. Mm -hmm. Your body, your mind, I don't know what it is, but you decided to go into your, your, well, your ex-boyfriend now, but your boyfriend at the time's house. Yes. Destroy his house. Mm -hmm. You punched him in the face. Mm -hmm. And there's something that comes over us that says, this is a good, like, this is, we need to go do this. (laughs) I don't want to say this is a good idea. But it's there's something that comes over our mind that's like we need to do this. Yeah. And I, I relate to that because when I when I was in high school, it was like it wasn't like this was a good idea, but it was like I need to do this. Like there was it was yeah. almost like I was called mm-hmm. to go do it. It's like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, it's quick I mean, it's really odd. It is. And I think that everyone has their vice, you know, like not everybody likes alcohol, not everybody likes cocaine. And that's how it was for me. Like with, I tried ecstasy when I was 18, my, my last week of college, we did it every day. And I, you know, I didn't really like it, but I was like, you know, everyone else is doing it. It's kind of fun. Like I feel really shitty after, but you know what? People will like me. So I did it. And then over the summer I was like, you know, I don't really like that. I don't like to drink. I don't like doing all these things. And once I took that first Vicodin, I it, I was just over for me. Like, I knew I had found what I liked. And that was really scary as well. Because I'm one of those hypochondriac people. So I had immediately started doing research on what it does to you, how it affects your everything in your body. And I, after, I, I think, a year or two of doing these pills, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to die if I keep doing these. But for some reason, it wasn't that wasn't enough for me to stop. Wow. Yeah. So you're having thoughts that you're going to die if you keep doing this. Yeah, my liver started to hurt because I, I never mixed anything really besides that two week little spree I went on. Um, I wasn't I don't I don't like alcohol. I don't like drinking. Um, and I knew it was really dangerous since they're both filtered through the liver that it, you should never mix those. So I was like, OK, well, I'm just going to pick one or the other. Obviously, I like pills more. So you're thinking <laughs> about your liver and what you can, how, what poison is good for you? Yeah, basically. It's crazy. Don't want to overdo sound. the poison. Yeah. I'm going to have some bleach right now so I can have some drug <laughs> test, but I'm going to make sure I put it with milk. Yes. Wow. I never even did that. Yeah. It's, it's very crazy. It's insane. But it's funny because, you know, they, they talk about an AA, you know, I did everything I could to pass a drug test except stop doing drugs. 
and it's it's Boom. true. It's Boom. so true. And yeah, I just I my liver had started to hurt. And so I was like, oh, I better stop doing these, you know, for a while. It wasn't, oh, let's stop doing these forever. It was, let's stop doing these for a while. Wow. So, yeah, it's, and it's, it's just like insane. That's part of the insanity of it. And my grandma is also an addict. She pops pills. And I'm like looking at her like, oh, you know, she's in her 70s. Like, she's still alive. Like, I can do this too. And terrible example not 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 good at all I I don't know how she's still alive to be honest but um I just thought I could do the same and then it was just you know like it had just passed down through my genes and I was gonna die like this because this is just how things were you said when before we started talking you had mentioned a thing about quieting I said well I I asked her straight up I said I said to you I said do you find out why you do what you do Kind of like what your underlying issue is, you know. I, you know, I always say, and it's kind of common knowledge that you know the drugs and the alcohol aren't the problem. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there, there. It's kind of like you know, it, it's you know that, yeah. The drugs and the alcohol are not the problem. There's a reason why we do what we do, um, no matter what it is. There's a reason why we love. There's a reason why we shop. There's a reason why we eat. There's a reason why we drink. There's a reason why we do drugs. Um, there's a reason why I, you know, I've got this clock on the dot. I mean, there's a reason, um, even though this clock doesn't work, so it's totally decoration. (laughs) Um, but it's why, why do we do this? And you said quiet the noise. Yes. And I said, don't tell me anymore. (laughs) What does that mean? And how old were you when you said to yourself, I like doing this to quiet the noise? Um, that first time that I picked up really, um, when I was like 18 when I had done the ecstasy like I I wanted people to like me and all that and that was great and I wanted to fit in but at the same time I'm like wow I don't have like these thoughts like I'm I'm a very over analytical person like every single thing that happens I'm like oh no it's my fault blah 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 like what can I do to fix this and so that's what I grew up with I was always an overachiever I was always you know doing all these things and I had to be the best at everything super competitive and all that because I always felt like it wasn't enough like I had straight A's but it I would have a you know an A just just an A or an A minus here and my parents were like well why the fuck isn't an A plus you know like the bar was set so high for me but at the same time I'm I'm very thankful for that because it always pushed me to do better but I wish I would have gotten a little more credit like, they were never like, oh, you're doing great, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was always like, okay, well, what's going on over here? Like, why is, what, what's this, you know? So, the quieting the noise for me was stopping the overanalyzation that's happening 24-7. The feeling is of not being good enough. Like, um, just feeling like I can do better, even though I was doing my best at all times. There's always, and even still now I have that. I'm like, oh, I can do better than this. You know, like, I, I, I share at an AA meeting and I'm like, Oh no, like I could have said this, I should have said that, I didn't share enough, I talked too fast. Wow. Yeah, just constantly thinking about, and it, I do have OCD, so it is a little bit of the obsessive part coming out. But yeah, it really started when I was younger with my parents just setting the bar just way too high at all, like always. Do you think the bar was too high, or do you think their way of asking, why didn't you get an A, like you got an A? But you didn't get an A plus, like because it's. Do you think it was the bar was too high, or the way that they asked a question, or the way I mean, you know, I always look at it as like with business. It's like when I when I'm doing business, I always want to go. Okay, I made X amount of dollars. Uh-huh. Why didn't I make this? Like, where where can I improve? Maybe it was something stupid. You know, maybe maybe yeah. it was like, you know, that type of. You know what I'm. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. Where it's not like a critical thing, it's like more like, huh, I wonder, you know, just more curiosity. Well, do you think there was just bad communicating or were there like, it's an A plus or, you know, it's kind of like if you're not first, you're last. Yeah, it, that's, it, it, it was like that. And it, and more so with my dad, he really made me feel like total, like I was a failure, you know, like, oh my God, like it's not an A plus what's happening. And okay, well, why weren't you, you know, like we had two team captains for sports. Like, why weren't you captain number one this week? Like just insane. And I think it was, 
it was more so of that. I mean, the bar was set really high, so I think it was a little of both, but more so with the way that they would come at me. They, they wouldn't, you know, like, oh, that's great, but it was never just a flat compliment. It was never just, you're doing so great, I'm so proud of you, blah, blah, blah. Like, it, it could never end with that. It always had to be, oh, but you're doing A, B, C, D wrong. So that sucked, <laughs> to put it lightly. It was horrible, actually. And so I've lived my entire life thinking, like, I have to be the best or I'm a total failure. Wow. And so, yeah, like you said, if you're not first, you're last. That, that's basically my mentality. And I'm, I'm working on it now, but it's, yeah, it's been really hard. I bet. Really hard. I really, I bet. Mm-hmm. That has got to be brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, my family expected a lot out of me, but in, in some ways, definitely not, grades were really difficult for me. Where School was just so painfully hard, but there was, I did have to be, you know, it was expected that I didn't drink and do drugs, and it was like, and it wasn't, it wasn't a conversation, it was just no. Yeah. And it was like, and I get no, mm-hmm. but it's like, I also want to have a conversation about it. You know, I just like, yeah. like, talk to me here. I mean, I, I get it, but I like... Like, talk to me, you know, mm-hmm. like a little bit about what this is and what it's not, because it's like just when there's when there's no um, kind of flexibility in there, it's like, why? And our head runs it's so fast. It's like this is a conversation that should be had a thousand times. Just it doesn't have to be a sit down and like little Johnny, little Susie, little, little whoever. This is how it is. But just is a more of a, a conversation, not a talking at or talking to but just a back and forth. And um, so I get that. I mean, that's half the reason why I did in the beginning. It's like, mm-hmm. I just, it was just a lot of pressure. Yeah. So when you went to college, yes, you must've been like, let's dance, man. Yeah. Let's like, <laughs> let's dance. Let's, let's do like, I bet I could see you in your dorm room, just kind of like your parents leave and all that. And were your parents married or divorced? They were separated. They never got married. Okay. So they were separated, which thank God, because they fought like cats and dogs. It was insane. So. But what did your mom or dad or did they both drop you off at school? No, my dad really wasn't there a lot. He was Mm -hmm. like, he was there for like, uh, like games and stuff during high school. But like. As far as, like, parenting and, like, all that, it just was not there. It was your mom. Like, it was mostly my mom. So did your mom drop you off at college? She did. And Were you just sitting on the end of the bed when she left and kind of, like, did you realize what freedom you just rolled into? Yes. And I, I knew exactly what was going to happen. I was like, we're getting hammered tonight. We're going to go out. It's going to be so much fun. And that's exactly what happened. And I actually had an off-campus housing I lived right next to campus, the closest housing possible to school that wasn't monitored by the school. So I could literally do whatever the fuck I wanted. Wow. And that's what happened. And my mom blames herself. She's like, it's my fault. I shouldn't have done this. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I, I, being the drug addict that I am, I, I convinced her and I almost guilted her into getting me this apartment with my best friend from high school and then two other girls that we ended up being friends with. I want to know more about that. Okay. I want to take a quick commercial break because this is, there's going to be a lot in our last segment that we got to do. There's just so much good stuff in there that I want to, I want to touch on. This is, this is amazing. I love your story. I just love it. I really, really love it. There's so many people so that have been through exactly what you're going through. And it is just like, it's amazing. Um, so we'll be right back. This, this is Ross. We're coming to you from the Rebos Treatment Center in Los Angeles, California. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. 
Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. When you stop to think about it, we are all a part of one interconnected ecosystem. What happens in one part of the world can affect us all. So we need to take an active stand for the issues that are important to us. Listen for Stewardship Through Respect with Holly Wells. You'll learn about personal health and environmental issues that need to be important to us all and hear from the experts about a different topic each week. Listen every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hi, welcome back to the show. Um, I want to jump in with you right where we left off with your parents. Okay. Uh, with your mom. Yeah. And there is... There's so much here that is just amazing. You know, you went into treatment six months ago for heroin. Mm-hmm. Well, back in April. In April. I had a relapse. Got it. So. But you went in April for heroin. Uh-huh. You were, you were smoking it. You were snorting it, which your friends told you was wasting it. Yes. So you started smoking it. Yes. Which even then there's another level of people that will say, wait a second, you're even wasting yeah. it even more. You should be doing this in an IV. <laughs> You should be sticking a needle in your arm. Did you ever do that? No, I'm terrified. Total lie. I never got my ears pierced. I've never had a tattoo and I've never done drugs by needle because I'm too scared of needles. Me too. Spiders and needles? Yes. I don't do. I hate spiders. I've I've literally had a gun put to my head and they're like, give me all your money. And I literally said, you know what? You can go F yourself. You know, I don't give a damn. You put a spider or a needle in a room. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. I'm the biggest candy ass on the planet. (laughs) But I want to know, okay, so you came in there for this. And obviously, with every single person I always talk to on this level, that is so the tip of the iceberg. Uh-huh. This is a whole, I mean, I've written all this down. You were court ordered for battering assault classes. You were court ordered to be sober. You were court ordered to go to these classes and to be sober because you went into your boyfriend's house at the time. You beat him up. You slashed it. You have had benders on pills, on booze, on ecstasy. Mm-hmm. And you were basically, a, you, not basically, excuse me, you weren't basically, you were a dean's list student, yes. a multi-sport athlete going to Cal Poly for engineering. <laughs> yes. Okay. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. It, just to show, because I think there's so many parents out there and there's so many people in society thinks, oh, they're so great in high school. They're just going to be wonderful in college. But we need to look at this as a more rounded, like, society is as you told me, not my words, your words, you know, if you weren't first, you were last when it came to ac- academics, mm-hmm. when it came to sports, probably, too. Yeah, everything. That's so much pressure. Mm-hmm. You you get an A. That is not good enough. It needs to be an A+. Plus. It needs to be an A+. Plus. And so when you get to college, you're dancing. Mm-hmm. Like, on tables, on what, <laughs> yeah. whatever. We yeah. are raging. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, like right out the gate. I would have loved to have you as my next door neighbor. <laughs> we would have burned something down. Yeah. Because I was kind of the same way. I remember my I remember my first week in a college, and I was in a dorm, and I was like, there is no way I'm sending my kids to college. Mm-hmm. They're going to go to Tibet. They're going to become monks. Because this first weekend was not normal. Yeah. It's not normal. No. What goes on? It's insane. It's not normal. I was, holy smokes. So, so your mom, you said before we went to break, your mom said she felt bad for where she put you in college. Yes. Why? She thinks that, she doesn't fully understand this disease and she thinks that it's her fault 
Um, she thinks that maybe had she made me do on-campus housing or had she made me live at home, that this wouldn't have happened. And it, like, makes me kind of laugh a little bit because I'm like, yes, it would have. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't... It doesn't matter how it would have come about, but this still would have happened. And she she thinks that because I, I wasn't, you know, my, I mean, they have RAs, but let's be real. Like, they don't really do their job. And there's ways around that. And <sighs> so... I did circles around my yeah, RA. Yeah. <sighs> and, um, it, yeah, she just blames herself still. And she thinks that it's it's her fault because... So she blames college on her on, on you on herself yeah there's just the whole everything 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 so even the part of holding the, the bar too high she holds it to herself now or no um i think she's starting to see that now she thought that before like we'd started doing family therapy she thought oh you know I, I told her she was you know doing great i'm so proud of her and it was almost like how they say the frothy emotional appeal that's what she was doing but it wasn't like it wasn't sincere and it was always followed with but you're doing this part wrong. It was never just. I think it's important that people know that kindling for people like yourself in college, Mm -hmm. you know, the fire just doesn't all of a sudden erupt in college. This was kindling that happened years and like, it's like, you know, to start a fire, I'm an old boy scout and you take, you know, you take some wood, you take some, all this stuff and you have stuff that like, that starts a fire Mm -hmm. and you know, and then you can just slowly build on it. And it goes, and mm-hmm. it popped for you in college. Mm-hmm. Just went nuts. Yeah. And it turned into a wildfire. Yes. Wildfires just don't go boom. Twenty thousand acres burned down. Yeah. They start with somebody like lighting grasshoppers on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Whole damn state goes up. Yeah. Um. So wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Are you pretty close with your mom now? I We're mean, very, very close. Mm-hmm. I talk to her every single day. She's helped me with treatment and everything, and. Um, I've been able to be honest, which is great. Good. For a long time, I couldn't, I, you know, I told her, oh, I'm just smoking hash. It's like, who the fuck smokes hash off foil? You know, like, that's that's not what I'm doing. So it's nice to be able to be honest about that I was actually smoking heroin, that I was doing all these things. And it's nice to just be just honest about it. And now I can I can get everything in the open and I don't feel so guilty and ashamed and all of that. What was your moment? You know, back in April or maybe it was in, you know, March or February of last year mm-hmm. that you decided to go into treatment. What what happened? Um, well, I had drained all my resources. So I, I had always had a job and I just decided one day I was like, I don't really think I want to work anymore. You know, like this fucking sucks. I just want to smoke heroin all day. And... It was weird because as soon as I started thinking about that, my job called me and they were like, yeah, the girl that was in your position before you was coming back. So we're going to have to, you know, uh, what they say? They didn't fire me, but they laid you off. Yeah, they laid me off. So I did that. And then I'm like, well, this is the answer. This is my, this must be what I should be doing. It's from God. Yeah. It's, yeah. This is exactly <laughs> what I need to be doing right now. Like this is, yep. Like God said, it's fine. Like, look, I, I just got let go of my job. It must, this is, must be where I need to be going and doing so that happened and I just was in this deep dark depression my bottom wasn't you know like people think oh I'm homeless this and that that never happened to me my bottom was an emotional bottom and it was very it was rock bottom for me and I had been in bed for two months I was watching Netflix alone I would make up excuses why I couldn't go out all these things and one day I literally woke up And I had, like I said, exhausted my resources. I was tired of having to figure out how to get money every day to pay for it. Um, I was just done. I woke up and I was like, I need to go to rehab. Like, this is, I can't live like this. Like, this is, I'm smarter than this. I'm better than this. Like, I am, I am, this is wasted potential. And I don't, I don't want to die like this. And I knew that if the drugs didn't kill me, that the lifestyle would. And I just, I wasn't, I couldn't live like that anymore, basically. And I literally woke up one day, I called my mom at work, and I said, I want to go to treatment. I can't do this anymore. What did she say? And she started crying. Wow. Yeah. She had been begging me for, like, months. She was like, please just go. I'll help you. We'll figure it out, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no. Like, I'm doing the whole, oh, I'm fine. I'm not doing drugs. You know, I tried doing that whole thing. And obviously, like... 
you know, that soon deteriorated. It was quite obvious. It's literally like walking around with dog shit on the bottom of your shoe <laughs> and like denying it. Yeah. It's literally, yeah. yeah I mean, like, let's be really honest. Yes. What? I'm fine. I'm 140 pounds. No big right. deal. Yeah. Like, no big deal. Like, I was so skinny and yeah. I'm like, oh, it's fine. Like, I'm not doing anything wrong. Like, I'm just smoking weed. Like, mm. no. And so she was so excited. She was like, she came home on our lunch break and, you know, of course I was, I had smoked the rest of my heroin, so I was sleeping and she was just so happy just to, that I was willing finally yeah. to do this. So I ended up, I fell, I smoked the rest of my heroin, fell asleep. I wake up, she hands me the phone. I'm doing this survey for some treatment center that she's picked because I didn't give a fuck at this point where I went. Yeah. And then the next day I, I was gone. I went to detox the next day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's I, incredible. Yeah, I just, I had to go. I was just done. So what, what keeps you sober now? I mean, it's, you're, it's not turning, it's not like just, eh, I'm just not going to do drugs anymore. You found that out. Yeah. You relapsed. Yeah. You know, I've been through a, a thousand of these. You know, more people relapse before, you know, before they get sober than they just get sober. It's, unfortunately, it's just, it, it, it's it's unfortunate it is what it is uh, for now. Hopefully someday we can figure this out and how to, like, stop this because a lot of people are dying. Um, what, what keeps you... I mean, obviously, you have things that go on during your day, like old memories, old thoughts, old, Mm -hmm. you know, people, things. There's a lot of good excuses to be the old you. Yes. Why do you stay sober on a daily basis? It's the only way for me to live now and to live happily. So with me, if I go back and I relapse and I use again, I'm, well, for me, playing the tape basically is what it is and so I'm like okay if I use then this is gonna happen and then this is gonna happen and then I'm gonna lose everything and then I'm gonna be depressed and I'm gonna be right back where I was that two months when I just couldn't get out of bed and that to me that's one of the things that keeps me sober because I'm like that was literally the worst feeling for me that I've ever felt in my life and I never want to feel like that again and now that I do have the solution to me there's no other option like using is just not an option for me anymore. And I, I work with my sponsor. Um, I do work a program. I'm, I'm in AA. Um, I, I'm doing the steps. I'm on my fourth step now, which is like, it's bringing up a lot of stuff, but it's not, you know, it's nothing that I can't get through. And, um, I'm praying a lot that really helps and just talking people don't you know oh I don't want to talk about this it's so embarrassing or you know they feel ashamed and it's like no if you feel like you want to use or you feel shameful or you feel guilty for things that you've done just talk to somebody else about it it really does help it does and I was that person I'm like oh I don't want to talk about these things and it's like yeah you kind of have to otherwise you're just gonna stuff it stuff it and eventually you're gonna go out and get high again you stuffed a lot of stuff in high school yeah and do, I don't even think you even knew you were stuffing it because you really didn't know that, you know, and all due respect to yourself and, you know, it. you didn't know what was right or what was wrong. Mm-hmm. You didn't. I did You'd not. You'd never been a kid before. No. You know. No. You know, but you know what you don't want now. You know, I always tell people the biggest, people always ask me, they say, Ross, how do you stay sober? You know, getting sober is one thing. Staying sober is another thing. And I say, first and foremost, stop. You know, when they used to make me write out lists of triggers when I was in treatment, it was always like physical objects. Mm -hmm. And part of that's right and part of that's wrong. I should have been looking for the emotions that those physical objects would bring to me. Otherwise, triggers to me are emotions. It's an emotion that gets the better of you, whether it's a happy or sad or up or down emotion. Because you don't trip physically into a pile of cocaine. You don't trip yeah. and physically fall into a big bathtub of Jack Daniels, <laughs> into a, you know, a thing of heroin. It just doesn't happen. You have an emotion mm-hmm. that, that, takes the, um, that you get intoxicated by. Yes. And you can't, it's like a pressure thing inside you. So it's just like it starts down here and it works its way up and it starts covering your lungs. I was, this is how I view it in my head. And as it covers your lungs, you can't breathe because your shortness of breath, you're just, it's not deep breaths because that's what they would say when you get stressed out, take deep breaths, Mm -hmm. but you can't. So you have to breathe and you have to keep your emotions in check. 
And that's how I stay sober. I used to st- I used to stay sober by I can't go to that bar. I can't do drugs. I can't be with this person. I can't do this. And my whole world was was filled with can'ts. I can't do this yeah. and I relapsed over that. I'm like this sucks. I can't do anything. Yeah. And now it's like I don't want to have this emotion because this emotion happens will will create this. Mm-hmm. And I always know with emotions now, it's kind of like being a celebrity that 15 minutes, enjoy your 15 minutes, but get out after that 15 mm-hmm. minutes of fame. It's like if something, if whether it's bad or bad or good, 15 minutes of emotion, like so to say, I mean, yeah. if somebody dies, mourn it, be miserable, throw something, whatever you got to go do, but make sure you get out of it. And mm-hmm. if you're too happy, don't get too, don't be happier. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just enjoy it. Yeah. I can't thank you enough for being talking with me today. Of course. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's an amazing story that you have. Thank you. And it's so common. It's yours, yeah. but it's common. Mm-hmm. These kids, they come out of high school. They're they're supposed to live a life that's one way. Mm-hmm. Parents, God, God, God bless you, parents. I'm not one, but... You're all doing the best. I know my mom did the best she could do. Mm-hmm. My dad did the best she could do. My brothers, my sisters, you know, they're all parents. And they do the best that they can do always. And we and anything that we do, but it's just, it's always, um, it's always good just to, you know, do a couple extra check-ins with people. Make sure that they're okay. Our, you know, our, our expectations of our loved ones kind of out of, out of hand, um, so on and so forth. Um so, anyways, thank you for joining us. Of course. I really appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. Thank anyways. you. Hi, my name's Ross Ramin. Um, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Uh, we're coming to you from the Rebos Treatment Center in Los Angeles, California. If you have questions for me, you can email me at ross at rebos, R-E-B-O-S-T-X dot com. I'd be happy to answer any emails you have. Um, I can't thank you enough, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition with Ross Rameen on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.